Welcome to If Numbers Could Talk. My name is Keelan, and this evening we will be going over NBA injuries for the last few years. Some of these injuries and some of this data will date back to 1988. Some of this data will be as recent as 2020. If Numbers Could Talk is a show that goes over statistics and numbers and things that may just be found interesting by those who watch sports or who care about numbers in general. Maybe it's the numbers to one of your favorite flicks, a movie you like, uh, a series uh, that came out a few years ago or something of that nature. You never quite know with If Numbers Could Talk exactly where we're going to go. Sometimes we might even touch on comic books on If Numbers Could Talk. You, we just don't have a set in stone direction to go. But this evening, we're going to stay in the sports world just a little bit longer. Give us just a little bit more from the sports world. But in the sports world, we're going to be talking about the injuries that occur. We're going to talk about a little today of how many players on average were missed from certain seasons. We're going to go over uh, some information that I retrieved from an article, a uh, medical journal, in fact, medical research, that is titled Injury in the NBA. It is a 17-year review by five MDs, and it is on the Sage Journal's website. Those five doctors are Mark Drekos, Onworth Allen, Benjamin Dom, Chris Starkey, and Lisa Callahan. Along with that, I also found in my research, there is an entire database with about 4,000 injuries listed on hashtag basketball.com, as, well as, as well as over at kaggle.com, I was able to find some uh, data, some charts and things of that nature that helped me compile some of this information. And it all kind of correlated. It was really interesting to get a different information from so many different sources that um, none seemingly are tied directly to the NBA, but they all had invariably the same information. And I was able to corroborate from that. So let's just get started. Um, <laughs> again, this is one of those episodes where I feel like we're not just going to do a little bit of, I'm not, excuse me, I'm not going to do just a little bit of breaking down this player and that player. We're going to talk about across the board, what injuries are the most frequent, the top injuries for specific uh, time frames or in general, when it comes to basketball, top injuries for uh, surgery or missed games, as well as we're going to name a couple of players that uh, were injured and it was kind of predicted. There was even a period of time in which injuries were predicted to happen. And that seems to be coming full circle multiple on multiple occasions. So without further ado or do, adu, how do they say that? What is what is the proper tone for that, right? Isn't adu? <laughs> Let's move forward. So it was to the thing that got me into this, the what made me think this would be a pretty interesting episode. And it's what got me started on this research in 2019, 2020, 
we had some teams play 71 games, some teams play 75 games. In 2020, 2021, there was a total of 72 games for each team. The last time we had a lockout was 2011, and that was the last shortened season, which was 73 games, if I remember correctly. It was back right after that lockout that Dr. Tim Hewitt, who had been brought in by the NBA to assess injuries such as ACLs and things of that nature, that is his specialty. He predicted that there would be an uptick in ACL tears after the 2011 lockout with the condensed season. Well, during that season, there were quite a few ACL tears. To name a few, uh, some of these you'll remember very well. We have Baron Davis, Chris Bosh, Iman Shumpert, Chauncey Billups, Ricky Rubio. The Ricky Rubio injury I remember very vividly, um, but I actually remember all of these guys tearing their ACL in some way. You even had Dwight Howard who had some injury issues, but it wasn't only the uh, ACL. I think he strained his ACL that year, but he also had a bunch of other issues injury-wise that contributed. But the biggest injury that came after the 2011 lockout was an ACL tear, and it was one of the most noted ACL tears to date. One of those uh, potentially career-ending, but for sure, um, ceiling removing it or ceiling it, it brought the ceiling down for this player it was the Derrick Rose ACL tear happened that same season that same season so if it's one thing I'll start this with I do believe that the physicians that are brung in to tend to these players and try to keep their bodies healthy they work very hard they have uh a big job ahead of them. They're worried about not just one, not just two, but about 15 to 30 guys at times. I'm not sure if the same uh, doctors that work for the NBA team is assisting with the D league team as well. When they're all in the same facility, I'm not sure how that works. Um, I'm not sure if they're maybe moonlighting uh, at a physical therapy facility. I know that sounds crazy because they have NBA uh, contracts, but you never really know how these things work. This is the, they're in the medical field. They are not necessarily in the sports field. So with that being said, there's no telling what they have to do to maintain their status as a doctor and a physician in professional sports. I would assume that it's a little more taxing than... Uh, say, a doctor who doesn't have to travel with a team and keep up regular uh, visitation or, or regular uh, information. Visitation isn't the correct word, sorry. Information. So we all know that injuries are reoccurring in the NBA. We've all heard of a bunch of different things. I mean, we've heard of and seen broken legs, uh, fractured tailbones, shoulders, collarbone, uh, neck injuries, eye injuries, um, foot injuries like plantar fasciitis, uh, broken toes, fractured toes, you name it, right? We've all heard of it. Um, I want to say one of the most interesting injuries I, I can remember to date, like just what I what we would call a freak injury as civilians, right? As regular people would be the Sean Livingston injury to this day. I, it just doesn't make sense to me. He went up for a layup. He didn't even go up to dunk the ball. <laughs> he went up for a layup, moderate pace came down and wow. Like just one of those, and you, you can't really plan these things. So one thing we know for sure is injuries aren't always the cause of negligence 
or uh, someone doing something wrong. Sometimes it's overexertion. You're tired. Your body's tired. Sometimes you step the wrong way. Eight times out of 10, though, not nine times out of 10. Sometimes things happen intentionally, but eight times out of 10, it was an accident. I mean, just a freak. Nobody saw that coming type of an accident, especially when it comes to sports injuries. Now, some information I found while doing my research showed that during the 2020-2021 season, the season that just finished for the NBA, there were 5.1 players missing from every single game. Now, what I had not mentioned already is Dr. Tim Hewitt, the same doctor who warned that in 2011, 2012, that the NBA needed to be very aware of the possibility of ACL uh, uh, injury surges. He also warned that after this most recent bubble and had coming into another condensed season, the 2020-2021 season, so 270, let's call it 73-74 game uh, seasons back-to-back. And um, I want to say there was only about 60 days in between seasons, 61 days, I believe, in between seasons. Dr. Tim Hewitt, who is no longer uh, in the position working with the NBA as he was 10 years ago, warned again that the NBA and the players and the physicians should be very aware that these same type of injuries, the ankle and ACL injuries, could resurge due to similar conditions that were had in the 2011 season. Within that, again, there were 5.1 players missing from every single game of the NBA season last year. And of all-star players, it seems as if all-star players missed on average. If you put them all together, there was an average of 13.7 games missed um, amongst all-star players alone. That came up to about 300 and some odd games out of 1,900 games, if you put it all together, like per player, right? So that's interesting. It, it really lets you know, you know, sometimes they're not just injuries that are knocking you down uh, for a couple of moments, like a couple of games, a couple of minutes. Sometimes you're out for a while. You got to get some rehab. And that was another thing that was a big ticker for me is if we all know one thing, the hardest part of professional sports has to be rehabilitation. It absolutely has to be rehabilitation. It can't just, oh, it's hard to get to the finals. It's hard to play. It's It can't be harder to play the game than it is to rehab yourself, get your body healthy to get back into the game. That has to be the hardest part of the game, hands down. Um, and, hey, if you don't believe it, I always think about when you graduate uh, high school, you get a little older. And you're no longer in the face of certain people. You don't hear from the same people on a regular basis. And as you get older, you may not even hear from any of those people ever again. Think of injuring yourself as a professional athlete, something similar to that. When they're not in the facilities, when they're not going back and forth to practice and in those meetings and, uh, you know, getting those phone calls, I'm not quite sure what that does to the ego, what that does to... Uh, your sense of your drive and your stability, mental stability. So I'd assume that has to be the hardest part of being a professional athlete is getting injured and then having to make that comeback, knowing that while you were out, someone else was literally giving your spot and they were working for it the entire time you were there. So they are very prepared. Now, what are some of the um, most common injuries for therapy? You know, what are therapy based injuries? Just things that 
happen and you know maybe they're out for two or three games nothing really big or maybe they're not even out for games they just gotta after the game they go get iced down rubbed down get some therapy to it and then they're right back out there for practice the next day uh, maybe a little lighter load getting ready for the next game now these are in order of most common to least common you have lateral ankle sprains patella femoral inflammation which would be runner's knee Lumbar strain, which is your lower back, or, or excuse me, back in general, but um, specific, it was lumbar strain, not lower lumbar, but low lumbar strain. Hamstring strains come in number four for the highest. Those are your four highest injuries for therapy, needing to get treatment after a game. What about the most common injuries from missing games and or possibly needing surgery, being out indefinitely for a season? Well, the first we have is runner's knee, patellofemoral inflammation. So that's number one. Every single basketball player, track runner, volleyball player, anyone who really does any uh, sports in general, eight time uh, uh, or more than likely has experienced runner's knee or has chronic runner's knee. Something I found out through my research. Lateral ankle sprains come in second. Knee sprains come in behind that. Now, patellofemoral inflammation or runner's knee and a knee sprain are not the same thing. Runner's knee is a swelling uh, behind the patella in the knee area, right? Swelling. But a knee sprain is you, you sprain the actual knee, the tendons and all of that stuff in there. Uh, I'm no doctor. But... That's you spraining it. Like you, you literally are uh, putting extra stress on the tendons and the muscles and seemingly not able to do anything until you get some rest. Possibly surgery. Hopefully not. Lumbar strains come in number four. So we have runner's knee, lateral ankle, ankle sprains, knee sprains, and lumbar strains. So you have sprains and strains. These are two different things. The lumbar strains are the highest, the highest on the chart for missed games, missed games. And possibly some of those things can become a little more serious and require surgery. Now, while ankle sprains happen to be the most uh, uh, common for, <laughs> excuse me, Ankle sprains happen to be the most common for therapy. Knee sprains or knee injuries in general, just overall knee injuries, seem to be the cause of more missed games. Knee injuries are the cause of more missed games. And right behind that, you have your strains and your sprains. So first, you have your ankle injuries. That is your number one concern when you are playing basketball. Your knee injuries are your second concern. And right behind that is strains and sprains, more than likely of the lower portion of the body. Now, of this study that was had, this 17-year uh, study from 1988 to 2005, in those 17 years, there were 12,594 injuries to a total of 1,366 NBA players. Due to that, 59,179 games were missed in that 17-year period. And... Huh. There were 
6,287, 6,287 game-related injuries. So of the injuries that occurred, over half of them were related to game style or game time type of uh, uh, play. That doesn't mean that it didn't happen in the game other than that, but uh, it, it's simply game related. Like this is simply, this is how that went down. It went down because of something that happened in the game. Um, you can get injured in warmups. You can get injured uh, in halftime. I don't think they would consider those game related. Um, and that has happened. I've been watching the NBA for quite some time. You've definitely had guys come into games. You see them warming up. Um, if you're watching the pregame, you'll see them shooting around and then they'll get listed as injured. And they, they were not able to come into the game. They weren't able to play. They weren't cleared. Now, from here, we're going to move into some of those deeper numbers, right? So first, we're going to start with the area of the body, and then we're going to go to the body part. Now, I'm going to give you guys, of course, the top three, no question, and then a few more that I found interesting in each of these categories. So for the lower body. There were a number of 7,853 injured, and because of that, there were 42,802 games missed for lower body injuries. Upper body injuries totaled 1,945 injuries and 7,212 games missed for upper body injuries. Torso injuries come up to 1,600 1, injuries for a total of 7,647 missed games for torso injuries. Head injuries caused 868 missed games, and there were a total of 951 head injuries for those 868 missed games. Cerebral spine injuries, or excuse me, cerebral, I apologize. Cervical spine injuries, cervical spine injuries. There were 198 cervical spine injuries, and because of that, 590 NBA games were missed. There were 38 systemic injuries, which caused 32 games to be missed. And for 28 games missed, there were only nine genital injuries in a 17-year period. 17 years, nine genital injuries. So for all of you guys who play pickup ball, play in the adult leagues, play across wherever you play, maybe you play across seas, maybe you play uh, intramural at your university, all of those injuries where guys tend to get hit in those places that they don't like, I think it's pretty interesting that when you look at these numbers over a 17-year period, there were only nine of those injuries that were worth noting. I think we have to pay a little more attention to either how we're playing defense or how we're playing offense because I've seen it for whatever reason. Uh, guys who aren't at such a high level, there are quite a few genital injuries, and it really doesn't make sense when you look at in 17 years there were only nine in the NBA, and you can't tell me those guys aren't playing as hard as you are. They are playing much harder than you because there's something on the line. But, hey, I could be wrong. Now, of that, those are your 12,594 injuries with a total of 59,179 games missed. But let's talk about the exact body parts that were injured, okay? 
Now, of course, I'm going to give you the top three automatically. And this, I think I'm giving you the top four or five, in fact. So ankle injuries. There were 1,850 ankle injuries for a total of 6,838 missed games. 1,279 lumbar injuries for a total of 6,729 missed games. 1,266 patella injuries for a total of 8,076 missed games. Again, pay attention to those knee injuries. Patella, that is part of the knee. That is your kneecap. Knee injuries. Aha. 1,135 knee injuries with a total of 10,737 missed games for knee injuries. Lower tibia. Wait, did I read that correctly? Oh, excuse me. The tibia, which is in the lower leg. Lower tibia. What? There's only one tibia. So your tibia. Your tibia, you have a tibia and a fibula. Those are the lower leg bones. So this is the tibia, the larger bone of the two. 954 injured tibias caused 5,992 missed games. Your femur, which is your thigh bone. There were 905 femur injuries, which came, which resulted in 5,597 missed games for femur injuries. Now, here we come again to the cervical spine injury. Cervical spine injuries. Again, we had 198 cervical spine injuries, and that totaled 590 missed games. Now, I'm going to pause there for a minute. Note that cervical spine injuries is in, it was noted in area and in the specific body part. Because that is your spine. It's, I mean, it's an area by itself, but it also is just itself. It's a specific body part. And I thought that was one of those interesting things because I was like, wait, was this an accident? No. Oh, wait, no, I'm looking at multiple places. This wasn't an accident. That's literally the situation. So spinal injury, cervical spine, you have 198 injuries, which caused them a total of 590 games to be missed. Finger injuries. You have 298 finger injuries in 17 years, which caused 696 missed games. And thumbs, your thumb injuries, 276 injured thumbs for a total of 1,200, excuse me, 1,212 missed games. So note that even though there were more finger injuries than thumb injuries, there were more games missed for thumb injuries than for finger injuries. I think that, <laughs> you know, it, it kind of makes sense. Um, I've seen it. Guys will definitely tape fingers together and play with that with no question. And the most people won't really affect them too much. But a thumb, you're this little thingy here, yeah, without a thumb, you can't control much. You're, you're dribbling with these four. There's no control. Uh, you won't be able to shoot. You won't be able to pass too efficiently. Um might as well play soccer for a couple of weeks because you'll be a lot more efficient at that or, or play with one hand tied behind your back. Because without a thumb, I cannot imagine how difficult it would be to play a basketball game. Less knowing an NBA game where guys are literally trying to expose your weaknesses. So if you don't have a thumb, they're going to force you to that direction or try. Hopefully you're good enough to not let that affect you too hard. Now, what about the specific types of injuries? Specific types of injuries. So specific 
is because we're talking about the type of injury to a specific area. Okay. And after that, we will talk about general types of injuries, general types of injuries. And right after that, I have another breakdown for you guys from 2010 to 2020, the amount of injuries per season. That's right. I'm telling you ahead of time. So you know what to expect. That is where we are headed to talk about the injuries from 2010 to 2020 year by year, including the offseason. But first, let's go over these specific injuries and specific types of injuries. Ankle lateral sprain, oh, excuse me, lateral ankle sprains, lateral ankle sprains. We had 1,658 lateral ankle sprains, which totaled, or excuse me, came to 5,223 missed games. Patellofemoral inflammation, a.k.a. runner's knee. There were 1,493 runner's knee cases, which caused 10,370 games to be missed. Lumbar strains and or lumbar sprains. There were 999 lumbar strains and or sprains, which caused 3,933 games to be missed. Knee sprains. There were 392 knee sprains that came to 4,369 games missed. Tricep strains, the tricep sura sprain, strain, excuse me. Strain triceps came to 259 injuries with 2,078 games missed. Achilles tendiopathy. So again, Achilles injuries. Did you affect your Achilles tendon? So, there were 204 Achilles tendon uh, injuries noted with 1,034, ga- I mean, excuse me, 1,038 games missed for Achilles injuries. A lumbar disc degeneration. There were 110 lumbar disc re- degeneration cases that resulted in 2,151 games being missed. There were 106 foot fractures that led to 2,169 games being missed. 102 minuscule tears, which led to 2,421 games being missed. And 100 hand or wrist fractures, which led to 1,470 games being missed. Now, that was the specific areas and specific types of injuries. What about the general types? Just the types, not where, but the types. There were 3,503 sprains that caused 15,047 missed games. 2,742 inflammatory injuries, which led to 16,843 games being missed. 2,740 strains, which led to 11,467 games being missed. 1,923 contusions, which led to 2,734 games being missed. 517 fractures, which resulted in 6,816 games being missed. 250 neurological injuries, which led to 3,324 games being missed, along with 102 
minuscule tears, which led to 2,421 games being missed. Now, again, you'll see with the minuscule tear, it is a specific type and it is a general type because the meniscus is only in one place. It is only one thing. The same with the Achilles, the same with the lumbar, which is your back. So sometimes these things do seem like they're a little more complex than they are until we go ahead and research a couple of things, take a couple of notes, and it's like, oh, I guess I did know that. Thought I didn't know that, but I knew that. All right, cool, thanks. So here we are, the moment you've all been waiting for. We've talked about the 17-year study that was done by five MDs from the years of 1988 to 2005. I just thought that was very interesting and, and uh, um, just informative information, it's things that you don't really think of off the top of your head. What is the most frequented injury in the NBA? What is the least likely injury to occur in the NBA? Um, how often do you miss games because of certain injuries? How often do you just go and get therapy for certain injuries? I think if you're into the sport, You've seen quite a few injuries. <laughs> I mean, why not, right? Now, let's start with um, 2010. We're going to go all the way back to 2010. We're going to work our way up to 2020. We're going to go from October, which is the beginning of season. Uh, off season starts October. All the way to April, which is right to the end, right to the peak before playoff starts. And then after that, the second one, the lower, uh, which will typically be the lowest number, the low, the hundred numbers, not the thousand numbers, will be from April until October, which is essentially the playoffs and the offseason. Let's get started. October 2010 to April 2011, there were 2,291 injuries in the NBA. April 2011 to October 2011, there were 331 injuries in the NBA. October 2011 to April 2012, which is that year we spoke about at the beginning of this episode, that lockout year, there were 1,802 injuries. Again, that was a lockout year, a shorter season. But the injury numbers weren't too far behind what we what looks like the average for uh 82 game season which some is somewhere around 2300 injuries per year from april 2012 to uh, october of 2012 there were 609 reported injuries which was probably i, I want to say was the highest actually yes i'm looking at it here the highest off season and playoff injuries the highest for playoff and off season injuries October 2012 to April 2013, there were 2,022 injuries in the NBA. April 2013 to October of 2013, there were 444 injuries reported. October 2013 to April 2014, there were 2,475 injuries reported. For April 2014 to October of 2014, there were 470 injuries reported in the NBA. For October 2014 to April 2015, there were 2,235 injuries reported. April 2015 to October 2015, there were 337 injuries reported. 
October 2015 to April 2016, there were 2,413 injuries reported in the NBA. For April 2016 to October of 2016, there were 410 injuries reported in the NBA during the offseason and the playoffs. For October 2016 to April 2017, there were 2,725 injuries reported in the NBA. For April 2017 to October of 2017, there were 402 playoff and offseason injuries reported. In October of 2017, all the way to April of 2018, there were 3,031 injuries reported. For April 2018 to October 2018, there were 244 injuries reported. For October 2018 to April 2019, there were 2,341 injuries reported. Now, if you go and look back, that is the, I want to say that was the third highest. No, excuse me. That's the fourth highest. The fourth highest was 2018, October 2018 to April 2019. Following that, we moved to April 2019 to October of 2019. There were 194 injuries reported during the offseason. The lowest, the lowest for an offseason reported from the numbers that I was able to find. The lowest number of injuries reported was 194 for an offseason. From October 2019 to April 2020, we have 1,952 injuries. 1,952 injuries. Now, remember, this season was a little bit different. For April 2020 until October of 2020, there were 357 injuries reported in the NBA. And unfortunately, for the 2020 season, uh, which would be two, October 2020 leading into April 2021, we do not have those numbers yet. They are raw. They are very rough. Um, I'm, I simply didn't want to give numbers that could not be corroborated or confirmed. However, what I could confirm was in the most recent season, 2020 to 2021, there were 5.1 players missing from every game. That is both sides. So each side was missing probably two players apiece some games and then one extra player in the mix somewhere on either team. Sometimes might have been one team missing all five players. So that shows you how the injuries affect the gameplay. It affects the, the motions. More people get minutes when certain guys are out. Um, we know that we saw a flurry of Achilles injuries, um, specifically coming out of Golden State, actually, within the last two years. Kevin Durant, Steph Curry, and Klay Thompson each uh, went down with the exact same type of injury. Uh, I wouldn't say the exact same, but similar injuries, Achilles injuries, period. That's just how they all went out. That's how they all went down, ankle, knee, leg, lower body. And um, we're still waiting for Clay to come back, so we really don't know how long some of these injuries take to recover from. I'm sure just based on Clay Thompson alone, uh, the numbers are going to be different as far as the amount of games missed by a player because at this point, Clay's missed about a season and a half or almost two seasons. So 
And I don't mean to just harp on Clay Thompson. There's a lot of guys who have been injured and out for quite some time, but he's one of the more notable names that everybody would kind of notice. Like, yo, Clay hasn't been playing. And we in the circles, we talk about it quite often that there are guys who they get injured and then you just kind of you're sitting and waiting. Derrick Rose is one of those guys. It's good to see he's having uh the type of career he's having on the back end after suffering that Achilles tear. Um, in the 2011-2012 season, one of the more notable injuries. Again, I can say if I were to think of three injuries right now off the top of my head that just stand out to me, you have the Sean Livingston injury, you have the Paul George injury, and then you have the Derrick Rose injury. Those three just wow. Now, there's a lot more injuries that happen over time, but when you look at these numbers, you look at everything that's going on, um, Derrick Rose, Achilles, uh, Sean Livingston, me. And then you have Paul George, which that was, uh, I believe, a tibia injury. He broke his tibia. So those are all in your tops. That, that's right in your top four for most uh, occurring injuries, most severe injuries. So this data seems to be pretty accurate. And things that we see on the television, the things that we hear, uh, when we're watching our shows about these guys and how they're sandbagging it, they're not coming back from injury fast enough. It's totally unwarranted and maybe unfair because again, I'll say the hardest part of that, of the job, being a professional athlete has to be rehabilitating an injury just most definitely. And if, if you don't believe, or if you don't agree, by all means, I am more than welcome to, uh, hearing some comments, having you guys come on over and Drop some information on me. Tell me about some injuries that maybe you remember, some things that uh, you haven't heard people talk about or you remember injuries that stand out to you from the NBA and from your time watching. Again, my name is Keelan. This has been If Numbers Could Talk. I really appreciate you guys for hanging out with me this evening or anytime you're listening. We really appreciate you for enjoying our content, please, by all means, you can shoot me an email over at ifnumberscouldtalk at gmail.com. Let me know if you enjoyed this or any other episodes, or if you have any ideas of things that you'd like to see me research, talk about, or hey, maybe you just want to tell me I'm doing a good job or tell me how much better of a job I could be doing. I am more than open to all of it, and I appreciate you all. If you want to check out, when you want to check out, and when you do check out, the Thinkering page on Facebook. You can also visit www.thinkering.space where you will find the link to all of our different podcasts that are there. You will find every single one of our podcasts as well on the Thinkering page, which is on Facebook. And let me give you a rundown of those different podcasts we have going on. We have the Exofathom, which is hosted by Nick, Ayla, and Mike. They talk about the most interesting things that you can possibly think of and if you don't believe me, go ahead and check them out. They were literally, literally just talking about portals and dimensions about a week ago. Uh, this week, I want to say they were talking about time and whether or not uh, we can control that with our mind. Like where, how do we control time? How do we perceive time perception? What is that? Is Can you time travel based on your perception of time? That's my theory. Um and I really enjoyed listening to that one as they went through it. But that's a question that I have, you know, okay, can you time travel based on your perception of how you view time? So, yes, go and check out the ExoFathom. They are on Facebook. They are also over on YouTube. And I'm sure they'd love to have you over there. 
You can check out Strawberries and Coffee, which is over on Twitch, Facebook, and YouTube. That is Dijon the Mustard. He goes ahead and he finds all the games that you've probably never heard of, games that you've probably never played, and or games that you may have beaten a few times and you'd like to see someone else play. You can drop hints into his comment box while he's playing and tell him about some maybe some gems or some uh, secret hidden treasures that he missed. Or just help him if you think he's stuck and tell him, hey, you should do it this way. I'm sure he'll enjoy that. And I definitely enjoy watching him play. He was recently playing The Wolf Among Us. I don't think he's finished that yet. But um, that is a fun game to watch. <laughs> if you've never seen The Wolf Among Us, or excuse me, heard of The Wolf Among Us, or played it, go and check out Dijon the Mustard. He is over on Twitch and YouTube and Facebook at Strawberries and Coffee. That's Strawberries and Coffee with an N in the middle. You can also check out the Screen Time Continuum. Screen Time Continuum is a show that we do on Wednesdays and uh, excuse me, Wednesdays and Sundays. Wednesdays and Sundays that comes on at 8:30 p.m. What we do over at the Screen Time Continuum is we watch movies, we watch TV shows, and we give opinions on them. We break them down. We review them. We tell you about the things that you may have missed. We tell you about the things that um, we tell each other about the things that someone else may have missed. And while doing that, we simply just try to have fun and notify you about the new content, new information, and or just new entertainment that we found via that channel. And we all very much so just enjoy giving our opinions. So we welcome you over there to the Screen Time Continuum. Also, we are on Facebook and YouTube for the Screen Time Continuum. Just recently, you know what? I'm not worried about recently. How about tomorrow? Tomorrow we'll be covering the movie Tenet. Check that out as well. If you haven't seen the movie Tenet, but you still want to hear how we go about it and what we say about it, check us out tomorrow, 8.30 p.m., the Screen Time Continuum. Exo Fathom comes on again Mondays and Fridays at 8 p.m. Strawberries and Coffee comes on Tuesdays and Thursdays and is posted to YouTube on Wednesdays and Saturdays. Excuse me, Wednesdays and Fridays. Tuesdays and Thursdays, Dijon goes live between 10 and 10.15. Be sure to check him out. And if you just want to come back, hear me talk about numbers, see what I decide to break down, what I've researched for next week, and or maybe for an episode a week after that. Come right on back here to If Numbers Could Talk. I will be more than happy to give you all of the information that I have written down here in my handy dandy notebook. And by all means, I really appreciate you guys because I enjoy doing this and I hope you enjoy watching me do it, listening to me do it and taking in this information. And I hope it helps you in whatever it is that you need it for, or it just gives you some information that you were interested in, which is what it does for me. I appreciate you again. This is If Numbers Could Talk. Check us out. You have a great one, guys.